This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tech Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Tuesday, February 13th, 2018, and my guest is Alex Doby of Android Central. Hi, Alex. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's very early here. Alex is in Taiwan. I am in San Francisco. You do the math. One of us had to get up early and we we draw, we drew our, I don't know, we didn't draw anything, but I got the early moment. So it's 7 a.m., 7 It's, it's tricky when you have a 16-hour a, a time difference. I just did the math. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's rough, yeah. however you, however you But look, I'm grateful you could make it because we've been talking about this, you and I, for a while. It seems that every time I invite you for the podcast, you are in Taiwan. <laughs> and I know that's pretty common for you to be there, but it's funny because it's like, damn, I can't, I can't catch a break. I want to catch him when it's, he's in the UK. It's crazy. And actually, even when I'm in the UK, well, or when I'm in Europe, I'm off at events over there. So it's, it's just been insane. I, I forget how many times we've actually tried and failed uh, to, to make this happen, but it's good to be here. It's good because I think um, we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot of good stuff. First of all, we got a bunch of newsy bits, but then I kind of want to pick your brain about, you know, the state of phonedom. Uh, because you mm-hmm. and I are kind of like, you know, pretty on top of it. And then I think the other thing, because also just as an aside, last episode was mostly about the Tesla Model 3. So I think uh, my audience is mad at me now. Uh, <laughs> but but I think uh, the other thing, too, is we've got a, you know, uh, Mobile Congress coming up. So there's that to talk about. Absolutely. So anyway, let's get started. Uh, let's pick a news topic. Uh, I don't know, essential. The, the whole essential thing. Uh, Units sold story. That's a little sad, right? It is a little bit, and it depends whether you believe these these you know well researched but unofficial figures. Let's kind of just assume that we do for a moment. Um, I mean, sad, not surprising, given everything that's gone on with that company, given the delays going into it, given all the issues with the software and the camera, uh, given the cancelled UK launch. Uh, it's yeah, you've got to wonder. I never realised it cancelled the, plan the UK launch. Wow. I'm pretty sure they'd, I'll, I'll fact check myself now, but I'm pretty sure they did. They were supposed to be launching on EE, and I think that just never happened after the after it kind of tanked in the US. So, so just to fill in the listeners a bit, uh, IDC, right? Um, uh, yeah. The analyst firm um, kind of, you know, basically issued a, a, a release or whatever, you know, that's how analysts do it. I don't know what they do with the issues. It's not like PR, but it's kind of like PR. I think this this one was issued by a tweet, I think. Whoa, which by, by a tweet, which it. is even more amusing. Um, yeah, I think it was the head of IDC who did it. And and uh, they said that 88,000 units were sold by Essential in 2017. So it doesn't count, obviously, uh, since then. But, but that's... Not a lot, if if that's to be trusted, which, you know, with IDC, I'd actually be close, you know? Those guys are pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've, so kind of mini tangent real quick. Um, we also had numbers around the pixels uh, these past couple of days, and my spies tell me that that is slightly below the actual number of pixel sales. So it may be, you know, ballpark, it may be either side of it, but it's still kind of... Sad, but even if right. you like, like bump this by twenty percent, twenty five percent, you get you know one hundred and fifteen, hundred twenty thousand units, right? Yeah, it's not a lot of phones. That, it's not uh, much of a platform to build all like the other areas of that business that are supposed to be coming from that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, w- w- 
you got to wonder what is the plan from here, right? Are they going to do the same thing next year? The the end game surely is to sell this to someone. Well, <laughs> um, Google would be the logical the thing. You know, that's would they though? They're building that they're selling way more pixels than Essential ever could. They have competing products. I know, but, but I think space. I think it's you know you know I agree. I'm just saying Google because that's kind of why a lot of people are aiming for. You know, if you're an mm. and, if you make an Android, like, I mean, like you're right actually because you know Robin and Xbit got acquired by Razor. That was a little unexpected. Uh, it could. What, what I'm saying is that when I meant Google is just you know because I don't know because Andy you know he's going back to the roost or something I don't know that's what I was thinking but you're right it could be anyone as long as it's in the Android sphere in the ecosystem somehow so you know Samsung LG anybody but the point is like why what why what do they have that's so special other than maybe Andy Rubin has a great team around them? absolutely nothing they have the brand value of Andy Rubin and not a whole lot else I mean um, they have a great phone I mean arguably it's, it's cosmetically design wise a great cosmetically phone. a very nice phone um but here's the thing that uh, basically all th- like the uniqueness of that design is going to be completely lost this year. Everyone is going to do the notch design. Everyone is going to go bezel-less. Everyone is going to be 18 by 9. What is unique about the Essential phone, especially or even a second-gen Essential phone 12 months later, if they just keep on that path? Yeah. There's very little that I see here to differentiate them in any way. Um, and almost all the differentiators now are negative. It's all the all the stories around um, its failure uh, at a commercial level, around the fact they can't get stable software out about how they push back updates. It's it's not looking good. No, and it's sad because, you know, honestly, I wanted to root for them. I I and I kinda still am. I it's they're the they're one of the underdogs and they made such a gorgeous phone. Um I just I mean we could go on about essential and I we kind of I mean I kind of have gone on about it on my podcast with others. Yeah. But I think just to recap very quickly, I think it's a gorgeous phone with a lot of flaws around its release timing, around the camera performance which even spec wise is uh, has a lot of issues kind of like the z2 force from moto like anybody who launched a camera last year and dared not to put ois on it was an idiot in my opinion there's no such thing in 2017 and i think we're gonna see unless some huge technological advancement happens that that is unforeseen we're gonna see uh uh, in 2018, every single flagship have either single or dual OIS um, on their on their camera system. To me, that was the biggest, most egregious thing, especially when you don't have the level of AI software that Google has, or even Huawei has, or even LG has, or even Samsung has, in terms of imaging expertise. You need to give yourself the best hardware you can, and and not stabilizing exactly, yeah. optically yeah. is just like today is just a nightmare. So. So that was another thing that rubbed me the wrong way. And then, of course, you know, all the bugs. I mean, uh, Andrew has written extensively, Andrew Martonic at, at, at Android Central has written about this extensively about the, the bugs, right? The, the stability issues around the, pro- the, the product. For me, it hasn't been too unstable, but it's not my main, my main phone. It's not my daily driver. So I don't know, mm-hmm. you know? There are some things that you don't see unless you use a phone day to day. And I, I'm talking about this. My, my thoughts on this phone are almost entirely based on what I've heard from my team. I haven't actually, I don't have one here. I haven't used it as a daily driver, but just seeing everything that they've said, yeah, it's it's got some issues, it would seem. Uh, they, they pushed back the 8.0 update. Now it's going to be 8.1. And in the meantime, like as, as Andrew was pointing out, they still can't quite get the 7.1 release as stable as it needs to be. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where we go from here. We'll see where we go. I think it was a little too ambitious. And, you know, for its time, if it had launched when it was expected to launch... 
Um, mm. I think it would it would have been great. Right now, it's the only reason. The other a big reason we love this phone collectively, we the tech media, is that it's cheap, right? But it's not. Uh, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't cheap to begin. But it's my with. point. It's, it was, it's not cheap. It's artificially cheap now. So we have to remember yeah, it's cheap that because no one's buying it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, only cheap because yeah, exactly. they're discounting and they're making a huge loss. I think. Uh, or at I least think this, the, like the one the one silver lining with essential potentially is that all of their problems seem to stem from one source and that is software the camera is bad okay you can talk about oas or whatever you can at least get a decent camera with the hardware they have if your software is in check yeah um stability all comes down to software but so, hey you know I mean, what we're adding auto hdr soon <laughs> I mean, it's rolling out right yeah. now. If you have an essential, by the way, I'm, I'm like, I'm jo- look, I'm being, I'm being facetious, but I am on purpose because this is an expected feature these days. I mean, the the Honor Seven X, and by the way, I have this on good authority from somebody at Huawei that I talked to. Finally, one of the execs, and I had a I had a phone call a while back because I I was bitching a lot about imaging, and they said, what is what what can we talk to you like what what is your beef? And I said, you don't have auto HDR on even something like hmm. the Mate 10 Pro. And I was corrected. Here's the deal. Auto HDR exists on all pretty much the latest, not the latest, but at least any firmware on the Mate 10, Mate 10 Pro, any firmware on the 7, 7X, sorry, 7X and View 10. It exists on pretty much any software upgrade to the Mate 9, P10, P10 Plus uh, way back. Basically, they don't, tell you it's there but it's on by default and basically you, you you only have two modes on these phones you have the the auto mode the default mode which enables auto hdr and then you have the force manual hdr mode that's in the settings that you can get to as a as a mode so it, there is actually auto hdr on the on the huawei phones but that was that was it took a while for me to get them to admit that <laughs> and my testing's yeah, it, actually my testing has confirmed that i actually did some tests and oh yeah, it it definitely has auto HDR. Yeah, yeah. It, I I'm guessing it's based around like the same multi-frame goodness that Samsung does. Uh, and it, yeah, like you, like you say, if you've used a Mate 10 Pro, if you point it at, at something with really really challenging dynamic range, it's just kind of obvious that that's the way it works. Yeah, it wasn't that obvious to me to be honest. It's not quite as obvious as as uh, as a Pixel, for example. And the fact that there no, wasn't no, the an, 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 an next level. The fact that, the fact that there wasn't just a toggle like on the Pixel where you can turn it off. Um, meant, mm-hmm. And and there was an artificial mode called HDR, kind of didn't inspire confidence for me for a long time. So that's why I wanted to clarify that with them when I. I got my Mate 10 Pro and I said, give me a call before hmm. I write anything about this phone because I want to love it and I do like it. Uh, but we're it's, derailing. It's nice. We're derailing because I want to talk about that because I do have a View 10 now. So we'll talk about that later. Um, anyway, essential camera issues, software issues, great design, lots of weight because of Andy, but not much else. It's kind of a sad story. I want them to succeed. I hope they can get right on the next phone. But... You're gonna, I, just, I just hope there is a next well, phone at this point. They, how can they differentiate this time, right? Like even the 360 camera was a gimmick and their implementation of the, I don't have it, but I've seen others have it, that have it, that fan that makes a noise that's always running, how plastically and crappy and cheap it feels compared to the phone. It's a disaster. Like why even bother with that? 
you know? That's that's the whole of the site. Yeah, that's the whole of the problem with, with their business, I guess. The phone exists as, as a gateway into all these other products. And thus, if the phone fails, then all the rest of this stuff fails. Yeah, that's why I don't want them to fail, because I do think they have some potentially interesting technology coming up in that home automation field that they were showing us. Um, mm-hmm. And and if they can be subsidized by some, you know, and, you know, Android's phone ecosystem to me is great because of variety. And even, and, and honestly, the Essential did, changed the game in some ways it showed people hey look you can make a a phone that is easy to hold in your hand feels good in your hand is made of incredible materials has a really small form factor for a really large screen we knew all this intuitively you know samsung galaxy s8 iphone 10 but remember that when the essential was announced i think maybe the galaxy s8 was out but i definitely don't think the iphone 10 was out so you know, it was exciting at the time. And and I think it's the future. I honestly feel that even though I love my Pixel 2 XL and I love all these other phones that I use that have large, large screens, I still feel that the form factor of the base S8 and probably the upcoming S9, which, by the way, you wrote a really great story about the S9 minus, as you called it. Um, <laughs> and I'll put, I'll put a link. Um, that phone and, and then the, the iPhone 10, they're honestly the best form factor. Like, of ever any phone I've ever used, like they're perfect. Yeah, and you would you would hope uh, even if the S nine do, does go the way that we're expecting with uh, you know being various feature compromises for the smaller size, that this isn't just the end of that that smaller form factor also being being premium, right? You would hope that the smaller Pixel maybe next year with a redesign kind of fills that territory as well. Again, anything could happen in the next ten months. We'll just have to we'll just have to see. We're, we'll surely be in for some surprises, I think. So speaking of cameras, let's segue into mm-hmm. the, I don't know if they're rumors or if they've been confirmed, you're probably, you're more on top of the news than I am really, but the V30S from LG supposedly going to get announced at MWC and it's basically a mm-hmm. V30 with better software. Why not just roll out a software update, folks? Uh, well, I, I think that, well... Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, I think they are at some point. Uh, I mean, unless that you have thing- the Oreo update going out with. I mean, here's the thing: um, unless they actually change the internal hardware. So it's well, like I'm an thinking unless they put an eight forty five. That's the only thing I can think of. They might do. Um, I, I'm not sure because LG you know they don't have a G seven. Remember, right? Like they they have a dilemma right now. They doesn't look like they're going to have a flagship in time to compete with the big boys, the other mm-hmm. big boys, which well is really only Samsung at this point. Uh, so what do you do, right? Take a really well-received, well-liked package, update the chip to 845, and then, you know, with that, you get a whole, more, a whole bunch more oomph in terms of, you know, potential AI processing and put a, a camera AI features. Boom, done. Yeah, maybe. It depends on how much of a true upgrade this is going to be and how, as opposed to just a stopgap release. Uh, I could see them going one or two ways. I could see them uh, having, you know, keeping the core of the the V30 basically unchanged, and the differences maybe come in terms of your vanity specs, like you know, RAM, internal storage, um, uh, your d- design features. We already had like the signature edition, I think, that launched in Korea that had some crazy design. There's a V30 um, so Plus they, too, right? The the V30 Plus is just the 128 gig version. Yeah, yeah right. It's vanity. Yeah, yeah, it's vanity. So you have that, and they could continue in that in that sort of level by just saying okay here's updated software that probably makes some non-committal reference to okay the old software is coming to the uh, the new software is coming to the older v30 maybe that would happen 
Um, and then, you know, for the next three months or so, it would be exclusive to, to this new model. That would be kind of weird. Or they could uh, go the other route. They could have an 845. They could give meaningful upgrades there. They could arguably address one of the, the things that actually maybe needed to be changed in this phone. So perhaps something to do with the screen. Maybe some of their fancy new OLED is ready now. Uh, maybe they're not using the same stuff as last that year. That would be nice. Um, that would be very nice. Or And, uh, of course, a few other possibilities... We're looking at camera upgrades right now. They're just talking about AI, but another possibility maybe is uh, you know LG moving towards bigger pixels with them. You know, addressing uh, probably something that was the biggest downside of that camera, which was uh, low light performance compared to some other stuff that came later in the year. You know, Still pretty I don't good know. In low light, I, I was but- really impressed. I mean, I took the V thirty on some like concerts, and I was able to get. And, and you know, even zoomed in in low light, that camera, like for the size of the pixels, I was blown away. That's that's let's put it that's that the thing, way. For the yeah, like contextually, it, it's it's good because we know like the, the, how that sensor works and stuff. But I think yeah, you know, like if if this is their thing, that's going to go up against the Galaxy S nine. It's going to go up against all these other phones, which yeah, will have more advanced better. optics. Mm-hmm. They yeah, they they need to kind of up their game in in low light, and you know maybe they can just do that with with some kind of crazy computational magic on on the SOC. Maybe that's enough. But we'll see. Know, I mean, we've, we've all seen what the ported Google camera can do on other phones. So if they're so yeah, speaking of, them. if you do have an essential and you want a better camera experience right now, download that Google Pixel camera that you can get off of SDK uh, SDF forums, XDA forums, um, and other places. Uh, but you're right. I, I I think though that um, I think that the reason LG picked such small sensors for the V30 uh, small pixel sensors is because they wanted it to be thin one, and they also have way more expertise in optimizing small pixel sensors historically than they have mm, optimizing true, large true. pixel sensors. If you look at their history, the G4, for example, which to me is to this day still the low light champ. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. pixel of course does it computationally, but if you look at what came out of the G4 at its at in, you know, when it was released it in low light, it really easily competes with, with the pixel two XL. And, and you right. look at the pixel size and you're like, how's it even possible? And, and I think that's not AI based, but traditional image processing uh, that LG has real chops in. So they said, Hmm, you know, well, you know, we want to make us thin and we'd only have these sensors that have small pixels and we know how to do that right. So let's stick with what we know. But you're right. I think they need to they need to crank it up a notch. The, the V30 kind of like just kept up last year, right? Whereas yeah, you it, need it, to it, be it, able to be out there this year, right? You do. And I think it, it sort of to a lesser extent, it ran into the same problem the G6 had. It just got steamrolled by everything else. It was this interesting phone for a while, but they left it too long between announcement and launch. And then everyone forgot about it. And then we had Pixels and Note 8s and iPhone 10s. And it was just like, well, who who still cares about the V30? Audiophiles like me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's one thing no one else is, is, is doing still. That's I mean, that, that hi-fi, is, uh, hi-fi DAC. that phone sounds still, I mean, you know, I try to convince myself that the other phones, um, you know, the, especially the, the USB-C based ones that you, you, where you can tr- try different dongles, right? The Razer dongle is the best one right now. Um, See, I found the Razer dongle doesn't work in some phones. Well, it doesn't it's, work in some like phones. Some combinations. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But I mean, if you can get it to work, it's the best one. The second best one is the Essential Phone dongle. Um, okay. And then the, the 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 if you want a good baseline average that works okay with everything, the Pixel dongle, the Pixel Two. 
Y- you know what's absolute garbage? The U the U eleven dongle. The worst. Oh, really? I was going to say the worst. Mate 10 dongle. Oh, the Mate 10 dongle. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually listened to it, but I'm sure it's absolute garbage. It's, yeah. It's pretty bad, yeah. You know, what's interesting, here's an interesting little... We, we need to start a new site just reviewing dongles. You should, like you is, should. Seriously, if you have somebody on your team that is into audio, you can hire me to do it if you want, Alex. Um, Don- the, dongle the, editor? Yeah. No, no, just, I'm not talking about a full, like, just as, as a one gig story thing. Um, here's the thing, though. The, the Speaking of dongles... The, the and speaking of Huawei, Huawei, sorry about the Mate 10, the 7X, the the Honor 7X, you know, two hundred dollar phone with a headphone jack. The audio coming out of that headphone jack is like surprisingly good. Like it is to me well within my acceptable standards with my usual headphones and earbuds. Um, and it's a two hundred dollar phone. Yet you have the Mate 10 Pro, which is arguably a far better phone yet out of the box the audio out of the headphone adapter is worse so so that that's the problem we're having today with these things folks and i know you're going to say well miriam everybody listens with wireless headphones and you're an audiophile and la 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 and i'm like no you do not understand this is a basic requirement which is why i'm super excited another rumor which i didn't link to yet (laughs) in the notes but you know this rumor is that there'll be a headphone jack on the galaxy s9 woohoo yeah and that's i mean that that's kind of like expected, right? I mean, they've they've been very sort of keen to establish their own little sort of niche with going against the grain. I mean, back in the day, they were considered the Apple copycat, whatever. We're, we're well past that now. But now they have this sort of their own sort of area where it's like, okay, we still have movable storage, we still have the headphone jack, we you know we don't have a notch at the top of the screen. Uh, it's just kind of with this sort of TikTok release cycle, I'm not too surprised to see that, but it's it's still good. And I guess in this day and age, it's not something we should necessarily take for granted. So I, I just yeah, don't good, trust. Good job, Samsung. I just don't trust Samsung long term. though. like you know, the thing about Samsung is they'll change their mind on a like on a dime. They'll just they'll just pivot instantly if they have to. Remember how they removed uh, the the uh, storage from the Galaxy S6 and the waterproofing, uh, and then they put it back on the Galaxy S7. Mm, yeah, you know, I'm, I mean, they well, did it because of yeah. customer, uh, because of complaint. I think they did. They reacted to the, you know, honestly. Here's the thing. I think the waterproofing is a little, is a little harsh because they went from a shitty plastic design to really high premium Apple grade design from the fi- S5 to the uh, S6. And, and look, the waterproofing in the S5 wasn't so great. Exactly. <laughs> Not only that, but this, they, they, I don't think they could pull off the IP uh, rating for the S6 because they didn't really know how to do it right yet. Well, then they perfected it and they did with the S7. And I, I think, honestly, the, the storage, the unborn storage was one of those, like, ah, nobody's going to need this. And then everybody complained. And then and they I think put it back. It also was kind of another like reaction to the fact that at the time they were selling an S6 with 3264 and 128 and then they they got to selling them in carrier stores and realized actually everyone just buys the 32 so it's easy just to make one SKU and then give everyone the option of removable storage um, that's it's a just, good it's point way less of a headache as a manufacturer to do that that is a very good point Alex yeah yeah so anyway V30S we'll find out we'll be there I'll be there you'll be there everybody will be there. Be there. I, I want it to be good i'm i'm still like i'm still relatively enthusiastic about lg i know they've lost money for like what 10 quarters now on, yeah on but the they make division, money on they, tvs they and washing machines so don't worry they'll yeah, be okay they just need to sell a bunch of toasters keep keep, keep the i mean i i have an lg washer and dryer at my place in portland i love it it's, it's just amazing 
Um, and I don't have an LG TV, but I've seen several. And oh my goodness, those OLED TVs are juicy and delicious. That wallpaper mm-hmm. TV, have you seen that in person? Uh, I have not seen that in oh. person. I didn't really get around to looking at many TVs at CES. I, oh. was often, I, was I mean, that came out last year. And, and you know, there's a few high-profile folks that we know. Uh, and, and I haven't seen it. I only saw it at CES. But um, I know a few high-profile folks that got review units, like uh, Marquez, uh, M- MK. BHD and 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 you know of course uh, uh, Lewis at Unbox Therapy and a few others. So it's amazing. It's so thin and it's so gorgeous. It, it makes everything else look like just potatoes. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that means. I just made that up. That was terrible. Um, okay, so you know what else do we have on the sub on the on the sub on the topics? Uh, we do have the whole discussion around. Um, uh, let's see. I think that that Android P discussion, uh, supposed rumors of Android P having software functionality built in to support various notches on displays. Let's let's rewind that and high level that a bit. What is your feel? Of, how do you feel about this notching business? Um, I'm kind of ambivalent, really. I mean, it's it's going to happen. There are going to be a bunch of Android phones this year with notches. That's just the way things go. Um, I, you know, I've, I've used enough phones to know that I can get used to pretty much anything in a phone that I'm using day to day. So I'm sure if I had a, like, if I was using an iPhone 10, I would get used to it. Like, like many people have. Um, uh, so at one level it's like, well, this is happening anyway. So Google as a platform holder kind of needs to just cater to market trends and say, um, you know, the, the stuff that apps need to know if a phone has a notch, like it needs to know where to render stuff. Basically, um, it needs to know where the notch is, what kind of notch it is. And, um, you know, what, if an app supports it, what stuff it can put on the screen. So that just makes sense from that perspective. What that also tells me though, is that if Google is doing this, then, uh, I tweeted this out the other day that if, you know, the pixel line is pretty much succeeding the Nexus line as being the reference device for Android. So the pixel two XL was the first, you know, Google sanctioned 18 by nine screen that did 18 by nine support the proper Google way. Um, so that was your reference device. If this is going to be an Android P that kind of tells me that probably one of the new pixels later this year is going to have a notch. Could be. uh, Yeah. And that would very much line up with the other side of this rumor, which is that Google is bringing in a a redesign to Android to, uh, trying to make, uh, more and uh, more iphone users i want products. gestures like i though to me you know i'm not an i mean i'm not an iphone fan i, I love the mac i'm an apple fan but not an iphone fan not an ios fan i bought an iphone 10 because i think it's a significant you know device in the history mm-hmm. of phones and the history of apple and i do feel it's a phenomenal phone overall but what really surprised me and really kind of felt so intuitive and so natural and so awesome to me was the gesture-based home button. Uh, the fact that you can swipe at the bottom left and right to change, uh, to sw- uh, to swap between apps. And, you know, you can kind of go back to the home screen by swiping up a little bit. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it and gesture-wise is that uh, gone is the dismiss the cards by swiping them, which I think needs to come back somehow because that was the best thing ever. I know Apple doesn't want you to swipe away the app. They don't want you to kill the apps because they don't believe you should be I mean, managing that. And if I see all the iPhone users that I know that have an iPhone non-10, um, they, they swipe all the time. They kill all their apps all the time. They're like addicted to killing their apps some weird way. And and we know it makes no difference. So Apple doesn't want you to do it. So I think that's why they removed the easy swipe. But I like that. It was good. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a palm tree. Uh, sometimes you just sometimes you just need to collapse. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you need to collapse, <laughs> but it, they they still make it possible. It's just not as easy, right? So I think that sure. they wanted it to make it less easy i think because they see people doing it and it's not necessary but on android it'd be great so i want to see gestures i want to see uh android p support gestures out of the box be- i i yeah I, I know a lot of people like you who who love the gestures i'm just not sure how like that would fit un- unless they completely change android's navigation paradigm how do, i mean okay you can do home easily just enough you copy can do apple i mean it enough. works but how do you do well uh, how do you do the built-in back function like that's a part of Android that's been there since the very beginning that is would just be impossible with the the current setup unless you add some kind of janky like yeah you're right that gesture. would definitely be challenging um, uh, something or- else that uh, that maybe could replace it uh, and this is something that Samsung has been slowly slowly creeping towards um, eventually we're gonna have more pressure sensitive screens that's just the way things are gonna go Samsung's been working towards it. Um, you already have the thing on Samsung phones where you can completely get rid of the on-screen keys and just hard press the middle for home. Yeah, uh, yeah. If your entire if you have an entire screen that supports that pressure sensitivity, then basically you don't ever need to see those on-screen so, keys except maybe if you're in the launcher. What? So I think that. Go on. I think like a more googly way to do that might be to say, okay, um, you just have these three areas that you know where they are on the screen. You don't necessarily see them, but it's like okay, middle is home. Right is task switching, uh, left is back, and you just know where to hard press, and that's just where where it is, where it lives. And you still get to use the entire screen. So yeah, I, I think um, you know the the biggest challenge is going to be to see uh, how how they can pull it off with the back button. You're right, I didn't think of that, but that is a thing that I don't want to go away. I don't like the fact that on Apple. F- on iOS apps, you never have a consistent location for the back button. Drives me nuts. Um, the other thing is that I'm thinking that it might be more than notches. That the other thing you have to keep in mind is it having supporting notches in the OS in some clever way also means you could support displays that are not rectangular. You could display support displays that uh, cut the corners uh, more than today, um, or are you potentially even completely circular? And, you know, wow. maybe that's out there. Maybe it's, that's the next version of Android beyond that. But I kind of want to see that we, because we need interesting form factors. And that's the biggest challenge right now. You know, phones maybe, are boring. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what's going to make phones interesting again. The, another kind of footnote in this article was supposedly better support, like you were saying, for regular screen sizes, but potentially phones with multiple screens as well. Uh, oh, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Or me. folding screens, because there might be an area that... Uh, there might be a notch in the area that it folds, like not full, fully, you know, like if Samsung does a real folding screen, which is the rumor for the Galaxy X, Galaxy 10. I, th- I think they've they've actually said that they're going to do that this year. Like someone at Samsung has actually gone on the record of saying that's happening this year. Yeah, yeah no, but, but whatever they do, it's possible that, you know, maybe the bottom edges of the fold might have some indent there or something for some physical reason. Um, so the point is, I think this is exciting and not surprising that the P would support notches and I'm, I'm all for it. I'm personally, I'm like you, I, I you know, we review enough phones that we can adapt and I'm not too big worried about notches on the essential. I certainly don't notice it and don't feel it on the, uh, on the iPhone 10. It's a little more obvious and it only gets in my way when I'm watching full screen videos or looking at photos. Mm. Uh, and then it bugs me a little bit, but it's easy to, you know, uh, force the phone to cut the, to, to letterbox basically a little bit. 
And yes, you lose a sure. bit of screen real estate, but honestly, I'd rather letterbox when I'm looking at video and photo content, I'd rather letterbox and have the notch. For the rest though, for just navigating the UI and using an app normally, um, in, in portrait mode, it doesn't seem to matter too much. In landscape, it's a bit weird, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. One last thing on this Android P rumor. Um, uh-huh. So uh, I kind of touched on it before. The idea that Google is going to kind of redesign Android as a whole and that you know, that's supposedly going to make it appeal to iPhone users. Uh, a, lot of, <laughs> you know, a lot of people kind of reacted to that with horror saying that it's going to you know, become more like iOS, that we're going to have like pastel colors and all They're this gonna stuff. They're going to get rid of the back button, Alex. They're going to get rid of it. Sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But uh, actually, to, like to me, that's kind of interesting because... Like, how do you define the look of Android anymore? It's been so long since there's actually been a phone released by Google with just purely stock Android. The, the look of Android now in Google's phones is the Pixel UI, and that changes year by year anyway. Uh, so my question is, okay, is this a redesign of Android Android, or is this a redesign of Google's Android on the Pixel? Is this just yet another Pixel UI change, which we would be expecting year to year anyway? Or is it something more fundamental that will affect every Android phone in 2019 and beyond? Um Will be Who interesting knows? to see what happens. I'm honestly not, not I'm really don't think we need that right now. I, I hate to say that, but we're in a place where Android, other than the potential gestures, is in a good place, user experience wise. It's probably yeah. in the best place it's ever been. As an aside, since you just mentioned the Pixel launcher, Google Now launcher is gone officially from the app store now just okay, FYI did that finally happen? for yeah i tried to install it on the view 10 nope uh so i got the apk from akpm mirror because i just kind of like that launcher but here's the, the vexing part they have the pixel launcher in the app store right the original pixel launcher but you can't install anything but a pixel and this is to me the biggest problem right now with with the the android launcher situation google's put a lot of its great apps in um in the app store, there's the calendar, there's the clock, there's contacts. Like I personally skin a lot of my phones to be almost like my Nexus slash Pixel devices. And yet we can't, I mean, unless you go to a, a hack, you know, like you can't get an official launcher from Google that looks like at least the Pixel or maybe even better the Pixel yeah. 2. Like why yeah. don't they just give it away? You, you take out some functionality. I understand you're going to going to get the play now whatever whatever it's called the you know the music detection feature or whatever. I got to get all that. Yeah. Just just give us the Redux for those of us who happen to have a Pixel 2 or Pixel 2 XL that breaks and have to go down to a Moto E4 for a few weeks. <laughs> you know like come on like please. Yeah, I- I, this, I think this is a consequence of the basically being two Googles right now. So you have the Google is a platform holder of Android, which I guess you could think of as being like the Google Now launcher Google that maintains all the like um, Google suite apps like Gmail, everything else. Then you have Google, um, the hardware vendor, Google, the Pixel manufacturer that um, has all of its own stuff that lives on the Pixel. And I think it's the Pixel launcher, right? So I would right. think of even though it's, it, under, it appears in the same umbrella in the Play Store, which makes it confusing. Um, I would think of it as Google, Google would be wearing its device manufacturer hat when it was making that launcher. So it would just be a case of um, that being the launcher, that it's just the most convenient place for it to be updated and for it to live on the Play Store. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it would they would ever have any intention of bringing that to other phones, which is a shame because it's a nice launcher, but that's just it's the way It's true. I mean, you can, you can get it on XDA, there's a, I'm yeah, sure, somewhere, yeah. or on ABK mirror or whatever, wherever I, I, I got the Google now launcher off of APK mirror. That was fine. Um, you know, you bring up something interesting. You said that Google has, you know, two kind of, there's two Google, I'd say there's like 20 Googles 
<laughs> and like it's a very schizophrenic company. Um, even in the hardware division, you know, Nest is a separate thing that kind of got rolled back in and just recently. And one of the you know founders of Nest that was left, I can't remember his name, left. And I mean, it's just weird. Uh, Google is just like, I think Medusa is the, the best analogy to Google. It's like some kind of beast with like serpents on its head. And <laughs> I mean, I love them. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's just, it, it, they've always been schizophrenic as a company, though. Exactly. Always. And actually, this, this gets to something. Uh, I have a video coming up um, soon. Probably will be out by the time this, this uh, podcast goes up around um, Google now and what happened with that. And I think you you may have even been there at, at I.O. in 2012 when it was first announced. Yeah, it like I was. This magical thing. And from there, we've gone, we kind of reached the, the sort of glory days of, of Google now when we had the Google now launcher. And it was like, wow, we have you know, Google now as part of your home screen. You had cards for everything. And it was this like this magical predictive thing that was suddenly bringing in and making use of all this information that was in your Google account. Kind of creepy, maybe a little bit, but also... Uh, super exciting, very, very useful. And from there, it, with almost like the move into Marshmallow and this sort of misadventure into Now on Tap that eventually turned into Google Assistant. And now if you swipe um, right on the Pixel home screen, what you basically have is the weather, which is duplicative because that's on the main home screen anyway, <laughs> and a, a really, really crappy news aggregator. True. It's weird. It's again the multiple personalities. So I, I didn't. I completely forgot this topic. I'm throwing it in there, Alex. Just hang, hang tight. But this mm -hmm. really reminds me of another thing that happened this week that I didn't discuss on the last podcast. It might have happened last week. I can't remember. Is the rumors of Google potentially, um, uh, you know, improving their Messenger app, which is the messages app they have, which is their text, pure text messaging app, which by the way, I put on all my phones because I love it um, because it's just the most basic text messaging app. No frills, no weirdness, no, no weird. This is going over IP versus over, you know, traditional SMS channels, blah, blah, blah. And there's rumors that they're finally going to take iMessage head on for the nth time and do it right using uh, carrier support. Uh, you know, whatever that technology is that carriers um, that's been developed. RCS, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so there's that, uh, we had that story, that that rumor, and and that, that would be their way of taking on iMessage uh, until, of course, Apple makes iMessages av av available on on Android, which I could just see happening. It'd be hilarious, right? Imagine Google makes this happen. Universal support. It works on all Android phones. You know, we, we're a year down the road and everybody seems to be pretty happy, but it still hasn't really been adopted beyond Android. And all of a sudden, Apple drops iMessages for Android and then game over, right? Because everybody's going to switch over to that. Man, maybe... Uh... I mean, I, I hate mean, it. The, it I, I my positioning, Alex, is that I hate iMessage. And I don't hate iMessage because of the, the snobbiness of Apple and the fact that mm. Apple uses It's the implementation. As a software engineer, the way they did this is a freaking nightmare. It is unreliable. It's bad. It's poorly implemented. It's poor for carriers. It's poor for users. It's only good for one person, and that's Apple. And even Apple, they yeah, have way too much maintenance around it in terms of customer support issues. And it's a freaking nightmare. And they're stuck with it now because people love it, right? But I hate it. I really well, hate people, it. Well, people in the US love it. I, I mean, it's it's less of a thing in Europe. It, it's still used. But I feel like that whole like uh, ecosystem lock-in and peer pressure kind of thing is is much more of an American thing than it is is a European thing because 
uh, WhatsApp and Messenger are just yeah, WhatsApp far is more widely pretty used awesome, in Europe honestly. Than, yeah, yeah. I mean, I personally think, look, here's the way I, un- I see this. And I don't understand why people can't wrap their heads around this. If you'd want an alternative to text messaging where you want to see return receipts and uh, per, you know figure out that somebody's replying right now, you just install WhatsApp and you're done. Like, what's the For big sure, deal? Yeah. You have two choices. You can stop using SMS completely if they have WhatsApp. Like, you're done. It's just going to go over IP. Like, what's the big deal? Like, can't people wrap their heads around that? Why does it have to be just, integrated? It doesn't. Yeah. Um, it's still something that you have to download. And that, that means that it depends on it gaining traction in different ways in different markets. And that's why you have, like, uh, you know, Europe and Asia, is, well, Probably more Europe than Asia, but Europe in particular is very much WhatsApp territory. And then you have all these other local apps. That WeChat is, that is Asia like, territory, right? Yeah, we, WeChat. Well, and then, of more, course, yeah, more China. There, than, there's than also CocoTalk and there's in, yeah. in, in, Taiwan, in Korea and there is Line in Japan and in other parts, right? Line is popular in some other parts of Asia. Ta- yeah, Line, Line is big in, in Korea and Taiwan as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... it's uh, Messaging is a mess. I mean, it's a total, I, it's always been a mess. But you know what? Here's the thing. If you rewind, and this is where I'm putting my grandma hat on, okay, you guys? Come back with me to the dawn of time, children. When um, Instant Messenger became a thing, before it was even called Instant Messenger. So in the early days of Unix, you know, it essentially became Linux and became Android and, and became iOS and became Mac OS before that, or OS X. All these Linuxes back then, there was this thing called talk. You could type talk at the command line, put the IP address of the other person, and boom, you would talk to them. You know, it was instant messaging, but one-on-one and very clumsy interface. And then they came out with, there was one called chat, which is better. And then they did, um, they did IRC. And IRC was... And IRC is still the foundation for a lot of things, like Slack. I mean, IRC is a solid, solid. It's an actual internet standard baked in, like FTP, HTTP, etc. And then we got ICQ, which was, you know, when the web became a thing and PCs were going online and Macs were also going online to a lesser extent because Macs weren't very popular then. In the late 90s, we got ICQ. And then we got AOL Messenger. And then we got Windows Messenger, uh, which was called something else and renamed itself a million times. Oh, and we, yeah. It's MSN Messenger. MSN Messenger. Messenger. We, got, yeah. we got Skype. I mean, like, like this is not a, this messaging problem with, you know, text just kind of got pulled in there by accident somewhere along the way and became collateral damage. And when I mean text, I mean SMS, the standard. I think you guys, listeners, and you, Alex, obviously know this, but you know that 99% of the people, if you talk to them on the street, have no idea that text messaging is a completely different technology on the phone than, you know, using like, I don't know, Facebook Messenger or whatever. It's it's not IP-based. It's part of, you know, kind of subcarrier data that's part of the voice stuff. It's legacy technology. It really ideally needs to be erased. And I think that's kind of what hopefully Google can do with that technology, which I'm forgetting again. What is it? Uh, RCS. RCS. Yes. The idea is that, you know, for legacy purposes, like that, that all the phones communicate via IP, via data for the messaging. And at the server level, at the, at the carrier level, it looks at it and goes, oh, it's going to Miriam. And Miriam is using a dumb phone that's like three years old and does not have that technology. We send it to her as a text message using legacy tech. But 
at the at the phone level, you you don't really have to worry about it. Whether you have a and and it's auto switching. The moment you put your SIM in another phone, they realize, oh, this phone doesn't support the IP stuff. We send it to them as SMS. You see what I'm saying? And that's what Apple should have done, but they never did it, and it's a total disaster because of that. I just hope that you know, what this implementation works as well as they said. This is this is something which has not really been proved yet. Oh, for, for sure. We look at all the issues. I mean, okay, iOS um, iMessage is a completely different beast. But if we look at all the issues in the early days of people trying to disable it and not being able to and undelivered messages, there is the the potential makings of of like a, a royal shitstorm if this doesn't work between all the different carriers and all the different countries. Hopefully, it's a standard. Hopefully, it will. But we'll see. Yeah, and. <clears throat> I mean, that's exactly why the carriers need to be involved for better or for worse is because they can determine this text is going to Croatia, to this subscriber. They do not support the IP stuff, the auto trans. I'm going to turn it into an SMS and send it to them. You know what I'm saying? That is carrier negotiated. And that's the beauty of the system is that it's not a server at Apple that does the negotiating and cannot sync properly with the servers of the you know, of the carrier. And then there is a discrepancy, which is the biggest problem. That's why you have to disable iMessage. And it's so difficult to disable iMessage on your phone before you, you have to log out of every account. And like, it's just ridiculous, right? And yes, mm-hmm. it's a lock-in for Apple. It's, it, but honestly, look, I know the folks at Apple. I know the engineers who work there. I know some of them. They're not into lock-in. They don't like. They don't want to make it as. They didn't want to make iMessage as crappy as it is in terms of technology. It just happened that. They had a few issues in there, and they stayed. They stayed baked in because the thing just took off. Yeah, like it's they, a it's a it's a big ship to steer, and when you have that many users on board, and reliability needs to be a hundred percent, then it's oof, tough. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. I hate it with all my passion, <laughs> just as much as I hate the lack of headphone jacks. And it's just going to be the subject of many of many Miriam rants. I'm telling you now. Okay, so um, speaking of carriers and stupid things. i'll let you take that one on alex okay well this yeah this is kind of a little bit out of my uh usual area but uh, verizon (laughs) is gonna is gonna start locking its phones even though they should probably be sold as unlocked because they are currently sold as unlocked it's the only carrier in the u.s who actually sells their phones unlocked which is magical and revolutionary in the u.s and And now by law right uh, well okay Yes, they're required to unlock them once. The, like, if you own your phone outright, like you buy a phone from T-Mobile or AT&T or carrier and you pay for it completely uh, or your payment plan is over, they're supposed to unlock it for you. Yes. Right. And, right. and they do. But it's it's not really, you know, it's not like in Europe where you have to sell them unlocked regardless. Like, I, I think in Europe, you can't actually even lease or payment plan a phone that, that's locked, Right. Um, can you? Uh, it, I think it varies from country to country, but yes, you can. Uh, okay. Uh, we we have carrier lock phones over here. The difference in the Android world is that the SKUs are basically the same, so it's not like there are physical hardware differences that would stop you from unlocking. Right. But but the bottom line is with Verizon, they were the one of the few, and the reason for, and this is why I'm thinking there's there's more going on here. There's some political weirdness going on. They are the one of the few unlock their phones because Verizon's. LT bands, the 700 megahertz bands, are the way they got that spectrum from the FCC in the US was they had to agree to open it to any device. That's that was one of the requirements for that license. 
So right. they had to allow devices from other manufacturers, uh, other carriers on that network. That was one of the requirements. They're the only ones that have that requirement on their LTE spectrum for whatever reason. And so, you know, I'm simplifying, but that's basically it. So they decided, hey, you know, and I think part of the, one of the clauses in there is that they have to sell their devices unlocked as well so that they can work on other carriers. Mm -hmm. uh, and they did that. And now they're rescinding that. Um, well, with lots of caveats, and I'll let you get into the details if you've read the story. If not, I will. Um, but the thing is that I think that there might be legally shooting themselves in the foot here, or at least trying to put pressure on the on the law here and see if they'll get some consequences from it. Because I don't think they're technically allowed to do what they're doing because of this I, I think, spectrum yeah, allocation. I, I think they could they could potentially be taking advantage of what they maybe view as a friendly FCC to yeah. them to be able to see how far they can push it. Um, the, the nuts and bolts of this is the fact that ostensibly to prevent theft of uh, unlocked devices from their stores, uh, you'll first need to activate it with a Verizon SIM, and then there'll be some uh, undetermined like waiting period after which you will be able to unlock um, you know, anywhere between a couple of weeks on, and a couple of months, who knows? I mean, basically, right now, you can go on eBay and buy perfectly new in the box. And I'm not talking saying that they were stolen, okay? Let's just assume for a second that everything is legit. Uh, there are people who buy, like especially distributors, who buy bulk stock of um, Verizon phones and resell them on eBay. Uh, and you can buy a, a phone that you can't get anywhere else. Like they have these kind of cust slightly customized versions uh, for better or for worse. Why would you do that? I don't know because they're full of bloatware and they have stupid Verizon logos on them. But hey, if you want it, great. Um, so you can buy these phones and right now. You can put an AT&T in a T-Mobile SIM and they work fine. It won't work with Sprint because Sprint has special requirements with their CDMA and their weird LTE bands and stuff. Um, but that's, that's today. And so I think, honestly, theft is kind of like the excuse they're giving out in PR. But I think that's more, it's more about these resellers. And, yeah, uh, I mean, if, if only phones had some kind of unique identifier that you could then block from uh, accessing. Yeah, networks, they do, right? don't they? Huh? Jesus. Seriously, I mean Verizon. What the f? Anyway, so that that's just the story that Alex and I saw, and we just wanted to rant about it for a few minutes. Uh, on that note, uh, speaking of rants and raves, I want to thought I want you to hear your thoughts on the Honor View Ten, Huawei Honor View Ten or Honor View Ten. I don't. Uh, I think uh, it's just the just the Honor View Ten these days. I know it's a can of worms because to me they're all Huawei phones. I'm sorry, folks. I don't see a distinction. I don't understand the sub brand thing. I never have. It's, you tried to for, explain it to youth. me, but okay. it didn't make any. No, it didn't make any sense, Alex. La la la. <laughs> I do not want to hear this explanation. Maybe we should talk about this a little bit. I mean, seriously, like I love Huawei. Okay, like they make some really beautiful devices, and they're SOL in North America right now with what happened recently with the yeah, yeah. FCC and the AT and T and the Verizon, the stupid government we have. But they make great phones, and the Honor line has always been interesting. I think the Seven X is the uh, by far the best phone for under two hundred dollars today, at least in the US. I don't know about yeah, anyone I'm else. Even but struggling to think of of anything else that I'd recommend. That price, you'd be looking at like a year old Motorola phone at that price point. Yeah, every time I use it, unless I play games or something, I'm like, I don't think I need. I don't think I need a OnePlus Five T. This is perfectly fine. Thank you very much. I'll take it. Uh, and so the View Ten is kind of cranks it up a notch. It's kind of like a Mate Ten Redux, right? Basically. 
A little bit, yeah. And the, like the core platform that's based around is the same. The specs are the same. Um, what you get with the View 10 is a bit more cutting of corners and things like. Although, actually, arguably, you have a headphone jack, so it's like that's a that's a that's and a you don't have, of and you don't have IP. You. you don't have IP. Uh, you don't. Yeah. Support. So, and you do have SD card, right? Support. So it's very much like the Mate 10 non-Pro. A little bit. It's it's almost like the priorities are rejected yeah. a little bit. So you have a it's bit weird. more sturdy body. You don't have the glass on the back. That um, that's the only thing that makes it feel cheap to me, honestly. And and in a way, I, the OnePlus Five T kind of feels cheap to me because it doesn't have glass in the back. I'm so used to it now. The glass sandwich. I mean, you, have you, you used the uh, the sandstone one? No, they, you know, they didn't have one for me. I guess I'm not important enough. I got the red one, but I never got the white sandstone. I hear it's gorgeous, but it's painted and I don't like painted phones. It's a painted it's finish. It's nice. It's nice. It's it, really it picks nice. up uh, denim dye really easy, which is uh, kind of sad. Yeah, but. it picks up. I'm sure it picks up. If you have like, if you do a lot of mechanical work, like I like to go digging in my cars, I'm sure that touching the phone, even after you've washed your hands, is going to stain it with oils and stuff. It's not good. Hazardous. Hazardous. Uh, hazardous. Yeah. I, look, the reality is the V, the view 10, I, I did it. Uh, I did a hands-on with it back in November. I think it was, and I finally have one to play with. It's a European model. Uh, it kind of got it in a roundabout way, but it's a, it's a real phone. It's official, blah, blah, blah. Um, I haven't unboxed it yet or whatever on video because I probably won't because I'm using it right now. But the point is I somehow didn't get around to it. It's interesting. Because it's like a Mate 10 Redux, but it, it does feel cheaper because it feels like there's very little this, this difference between it and the 7X because it's all metal back. The difference is the fingerprint readers in the front in the tiniest little sliver below the screen because it's an 18.9 display. And then the back, the 7X has the fingerprint reader on the back because it has an 18.9 display. And I, I think on, on the back of the View 10, you have arguably the, the ugliest dual camera setup. Yeah, it's, it's even uglier than the 7X, which is pretty ugly to start with. Uh, but here's, the, you know, honestly, this is the thing. I love the shape of these phones in terms of, I like the flat, I like phones with flat backs. I know a lot of people don't because it fits better in hand, but I like phones with flat backs. And I like the, folk, the fact that both these phones have flat backs. But honestly, like I could totally live with metal on a 7X. Like $200, I'm not arguing. This is an amazing phone for $200. But at $500, which is roughly, we don't know exactly the price point yet of the View 10 in the US, but that's supposedly the price point is going to be like competing is OnePlus. I feel that, you know, like you look at the Honor 8 back in the day, and I don't know, we've never had the Honor 9 in the US. Does the Honor 9 have a glass back? The Honor, the Honor line has the exact same finish right down to the, the fact that it likes to sort of hockey puck its way off flat surfaces. Yeah, yeah, like the OnePlus X, remember that? The most slippery yeah, phone yeah. in the entire history of phones. Um, I Actually, my one, I couldn't, I've been gathering all my phones and, and sending them back and I couldn't find my OnePlus Xs because they had like slipped somewhere in the <laughs> nether regions of my office. Um no, I'm joking, but it's they were super slippery. But anyway, uh, back to back back on back on track. The 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 Honor Eight and I guess the Honor Nine, uh, to me felt really premium. They felt like really felt like Redux versions of their uh, Huawei equivalent flagships. But you know, the View Ten certainly has the specs to be a Mate Ten Redux, but doesn't feel in hand like a Mate 10 Redux. I actually think, find it feels cheaper than the 7X in some weird way. Probably because a little bit. You have the, the join, don't you, around the... You have like metal joining into metal, weirdly, whereas I think in the uh, the 7X is more like a, just a clean 
Yeah, it's cleaner. Piece. And also, honestly, frankly, I don't like front fingerprint readers. I don't really care what people say. They should be in the back or should be under the display or shouldn't exist. And you should have face ID. And the first phone company that does a proper face ID in, in, in this year, which is not Apple and doesn't hopefully do it as the only choice because choice is good, uh, is going to win in my book, win whatever, win a prize from Miriam. I don't know, win something, but they're going to win because we need it. We need it. And I hope Samsung does it or Huawei does it. I hope it's the P20 or the Galaxy S9, S9 Plus. Because honestly, after living with Face ID, there's no doubt in my mind this is the future. You know, on-demand on authentication, the fact that you can give your phone to someone and they can't do anything with it. It's amazing. It, that, you, because it would lock instantly on the view 10 yeah because that was a recent so i have uh, but it's like edition. it's honestly even less reliable than on the 5t the, the oneplus 5t's face unlock by the way and also the oneplus 5 now has that feature uses the front facing camera requires real light uh and it doesn't work in, in the dark because of it it's totally not at all like a mini connect in your phone like apple's doing and it works really well in the 5T and it's secondary authentication. It's just unlocking your phone. You can spoof it with a photo, which is nice. Um, it, it's, it's solid enough to unlock your phone. It's not solid enough to use Google Pay, of course. Uh, and to me, that's great. It's a great implementation. But on the, I was expecting with all the brouhaha that Huawei had done around the View 10 that it would even be better and faster on the View 10, but it's actually slower and more unreliable on the View 10 so far for me. I might have to mm. rescan my face because I'm having issues with it. Um, what I'm talking about here, Alex, is something that's like Face ID that, that does depth sensing and actually analyzes your face in 3D properly and really can be used for Android payment. So I want one of the big folks, maybe it'll be the, that G, that LG V30S, who ne we never uh, know. Maybe. May, somebody <laughs> has to give us at Mobile Congress this year a phone that does 99% of the performance of the Face ID on an Android phone as an additional means of authentication that's continuous authentication that can be used with Google Pay. That's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm, when I talk about Face ID on an Android phone, that's what I'm talking about. Not this fake I, I OnePlus 5T blah, 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 V10 stuff. See, you're almost there with fake ID, surely. That's the- Fake ID. That's, there that's you go. Name. <laughs> that's a good one. Um. My money would be Google, honestly, to, to do that, I think. Um, on the Pixel 2? It's, it's a computational yeah, Pixel 3, it's a computational problem. We all know, you know, Google Google's imaging chops around that area. Uh, my money would be on that either Huawei to can replicate do it. Because Huawei has been going on about it for like, didn't they show that? Do you remember that that that's that that face that front of a phone of a theoretical phone they showed with like a million sensors? On one of the slide decks, maybe it was on a on a video they showed at CS. Yeah, it was a plug-in module, I think, for the um, for the View 10, um, which, weird, I don't know why you do that and not just put it in a phone, but whatever. Anyway, the point is, I think Huawei is working on something. Whether oh, we're yeah, going to see sure. it on the I, P20 I think or not. working on it. Whether we see it on the P20 or not, I don't know. If, and if, if Samsung's working on thinking, something, it better be way better than the stupid iris scanning that doesn't work at all for me from the S8. And note it. Yeah, a situation last year was weird where you had the the iris scanning that wouldn't work outside and the face unlock that wouldn't work in the dark, and it was like, and you could only use one. <laughs> uh, it was 
kind of stupid. Nightmare. No, I look, will... I stopped using them. If it's unreliable, I'm going to stop using it. Like the View 10 is borderline unreliable, that face. I'm not going to use it unless I'm going to rescan my face, try it one more time. And if it doesn't work, forget it. The 5T, it works. It's not secure. I accept that, but it works. For sure. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure Huawei is working on it. And I think, uh, yeah, maybe the reason that that rumored notch is at the top of the P20 Pro is that they have something a little bit similar uh, lurking in there. But it's interesting. I like your point bringing up uh, Pixel 3 and Google as a potential. I, I, you know, I didn't think we'd have to wait that late into the year, but we might get it. And that would be lovely. I'm all, the I'm other, all, I'm all for it. The other possibility is HTC. And we have the, those pictures of the um, the Imagine, the rumored uh, U12. U12 that came out. And what was across the top of the screen on that device? A whole well, bunch of cameras. A whole bunch of tape, and it was covering something up. So Cameras, I'm telling you. Cameras, sensors, maybe, lasers, maybe. freaking lasers. <laughs> uh, we need to wrap it up. A couple of things I wanted to bring up really quickly. I will put links in the show notes, but I have been writing some stories for uh, Pocket now. Um, I'm going to be helping them at Mobile Congress, even though I'm still going primarily for my podcast. Um, so just be aware, just uh, click on the link in the show notes. You'll see I wrote a few like mini reviews, one for the Cat S41, which is a rugged phone from Bullet, the British manufacturer. Uh, and I reviewed the Mi Sphere camera from Xiaomi. And I reviewed uh, kind of a meh, but really beautiful wireless charger for Android and iPhone called uh, from a company called Bazalil. I don't know if you've heard of them, but anyway, check it out. And uh, that's that's basically uh, the show. Uh, Alex, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internets? Absolutely. You can find me primarily at androidcentral.com and uh, on the tubes at youtube.com slash androidcentral. Uh, also follow my personal stuff on Twitter at Alex Dobie, uh, also on other things like Instagram, also at Alex Dobie. Wow, you've, 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 heard, you've heard that. Like that's, you know, Alex has been... You've been at Android Central for quite a while now. How long has it been? Oh, God. Um, like seven <laughs> See, years? you can't remember. <laughs> seven years. Wow. Yeah, in, no, in I... In very, varying capacities, yeah. Exactly. And so, uh, and now you do a lot of video work, correct? Um, yeah. So, I'm, I'm basically the main, main video person now at AC. Uh, so, uh, the aim there is to put out as much stuff as we do. Uh, on all the key topics that we that we hit on the site and um and yeah like just build that up and create the best stuff we possibly can it's good stuff yeah yeah that's why you know definitely check out um android central's youtube channel right like there's lots of stuff there you can get to it from the stories but i find that i'm really like to kind of binge on youtube and i i android central's a good one so there you go sure is i hear it i hear it's pretty good I hear it's pretty good. <laughs> I love how she said that. It's hilarious. Okay. Uh, you guys know where to find me at TNKGRL on Twitter. That's Tankerl without the vowel, like the comic book character. Uh, and of course, if you want to tell your friends about this podcast and you don't exactly know how they can subscribe, we're on iTunes, we're on a Pocket Cast, but just if you forget all things, just Mobile Tech Podcast, it's the name of the podcast.com. Go there and it will resolve to another URL that will give you access to the RSS feed because magically podcasts, that's how they work. It's RSS based. You grab that RSS feed link, you put that in your 
any podcast playing player app and boom magically you subscribe that's how it works and then uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to the, the to the podcast if you're listening the first time and then uh, go to my youtube channels uh, that's uh, youtube.com slash miriam it's my full name spelt out miriam with a y and you'll find some videos there that are kind of complementary to this podcast that show you the phones that i'm playing with a lot of it is unboxing some of them are hands-on sometimes i do a review if i have time and that's where you'll see, for example, that Honor View 10 hands-on that I did in November. So that's it. Um, stay tuned for next week. We'll have another show. And then, of course, two weeks from now, we'll be at Mobile World Congress. And uh, maybe I'll have Alex like on the show again. Because you know what, Alex? We're going to have a whole bunch of people <laughs> on the podcast, like I did at CES, where I just assembled a bunch of people in a room. And we went mad for a while. It's, it was it's great. It's going to be crazy. Indeed. Well, thanks for being on, Alex. A pleasure. Well, thanks for having me. Finally, finally got around to, to making it happen. I'm, I'm glad we can make it work. I really appreciate that you were able to do on short notice. That was great. Absolutely. All right. Catch you all next week. Cheers. This is the Mobile Tech Podcast brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie.